Sheep of Israel with Bible teacher Elder Michael Johnson teaching the world the true meaning of Isaiah 28 9 and 10 so have your Bible notepad and pencil ready as he goes through today's study I want to welcome everyone to King James Bible University, and I'm the teacher of the Lost Sheep of Israel, Elder Michael Johnson, and today we have two teachings going on this week, but today we particularly going to pay attention to which um, is in the Expository Eliminator, which um, is teaching on this coming week, the freedom of Christ, and what we're going to do today, we're going to go through this. <clears throat> and we're going to see how they basing it because I'm going to touch on some stuff that they use it but then we're going to look at the, the correct way on how we need to divide this word of truth and how we're going to do that is we're going to go directly in the scriptures and we're not going to deal with, with what the commentator is saying we, will, we don't want to understand what if he's referencing a church father we don't want to understand their understanding we want to understand what God is saying so what we're going to do, we're going to go in, and it's going from Galatians 5, 1 through 17. That's what they're basing on, the freedom of Christ. We're going to find out what that is. We're going to find out what a lot of these words is, but we're going to get a lot of the precepts to understand this word of God and know, and know what he's talking about at all times. Because Paul comes through here, and once Paul goes through Galatians, he's explaining how we need to be with God and how we need to be walking with in Christ and what we need to be understanding. But many but many preachers and many teachers have taught this on the flip side and have given people the false understanding on what it actually means. So what we're going to do, we're going to open this up with prayer and then we're going to jump into it. And I'm going to read some of the inserts <clears throat> that the commentator actually have wrote to, to veer people off from what the truth really is. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna address all that. So dear Heavenly Father, we want to just thank you today to where you have allowed us to come together and to where we can just come to the word of truth as we go through your study. I ask, dear Father, in this teaching today, let nothing come from me, dear Father, as I am a man. I ask all that comes out from here today, dear Father, I ask that your spirit rest in me and let the spirit of truth just pour out through this teaching today. I ask this thing, dear Father, to where we can all have our understanding, to where we know which direction we need to go and how we need to hone in on, dear Father, where we hone in on you, dear Father, and we need to walk in the steps of your Son and have all understanding. These things I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to look at some of this, <clears throat> and we're going to get an understanding exactly on how this is actually working out. So what I want to do, I'm going to go into this, and we're going to look at some of this here, what it's talking about, and then we're going to jump into the scriptures, because we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to try to make sure I kind of stay slowed down and not speed through this. <clears throat> so in some of this, what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to look at, it has a title, Freedom in Christ, but it's, the lesson is from Galatians 5, 1 through 17, they have a, a text here that's supposed to be a golden text, 
and they referenced Galatians 5 and 13. But we're going to read a little bit of his little introduction, and then we're going to actually jump right into the scriptures. But it says in the introduction, for some people, freedom is a frightening, frightening concept. We might find that difficult to understand, but it's, but it's true, especially for those who have never known it. The Israelites spent more than 400 years in Egypt. Most of the time, they suffered slavery, but under the leadership of Moses, the Israelites were freed from the Egyptian bondage by, by the mighty hand of God. Now, the first part at the top, but when they get into where they were under the leadership of Moses, some of this is true, some of this part is not true. And this is where he's going to get dangerous, because... Once he said, once they get down, they say probably over two million people left Egypt, bound for the uh, bound for the land of promise. Yet only the days after leaving the land of slavery, the multitude was complaining that they would uh, that the land of slavery with the multitude was complaining that they would have been better remaining in Egypt. They were free. They were only encountered the, the hardship under God's chosen leader, and the long to return. To the bondage that 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 uh, they had always known under Egyptian. Likewise, those who are are known known nothing but spiritual bondage often are tempted to return to what is familiar to them rather than to fully embrace the responsibilities that they accompany freedom in Christ. Now, this is and then it gets one more paragraph in there. But mainly, what we want to understand, we're going to jump into to this part where he talks about the first part in Galatians 5 and 1. Now, I'm going to read his commentary there. At first, I'm going to read the verse, but then I'm going to read the commentary, and then we're going to pull the precepts on that. So, in Galatians 5 and 1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of of bondage. So this is what the verse is telling us. And this is what Paul is telling you. That we be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Basically saying with the yoke of sin. This is what this is talking about. But then he said, but we but we have the liberty. We're going to understand what all this means. But I want to show you what they saying this is and how they're getting into it. It says, Paul commanded the Galatians to stand fast in liberty was based on the truth that this was, this was where Christ himself had placed them, though through faith in Christ, they was free from the trouble of spiritual bondage. Now, here he's going to run you on a puppy dog trail. He's literally getting ready to get into a bold-faced lie because he's kicking it off right there because... Christ told us something that we have to do. And this here, he's, he's, he's proceeded to tell you even more. He even gets into half. He said, the other half of the command was not to let themselves be burdened down again over the yoke of slavery. Both Jews, Jew, and he even got Jewish, and Gentile believers of, of, of Galatia have been enslaved by religion over the, over the uh, conversion to Christ, but under the influence of the Judaizers who were promoting adherence to the Mosaic law. 
See, now they want to hone in on Mosaic law because they want to say that Moses was the one who created the commandments and Moses went up up to Mount Sinai to get the commandments from God. But they want to say these are Moses' commandments. This is one of the problems that, that they're getting into. This says, as necessary for Christians, these believers were in danger of becoming entangled in Jewish law. So what they want to do, they're trying to get rid of the law, is what they're doing. Although they was free in Christ and were being told more was needed to be right, uh, rightly related to God. This is a complete, total lie on what he put here. And we're going to show you what's going on. So I'm going to read this verse again, and we're going to pull the precepts from that. So Galatians again, 5.1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in liberty, wherefore Christ hath made us free. How did he do that? He freed us from sin if we believe on him and walk in his steps and obey what he said to do. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is what he said. But he's telling you to get rid of the laws of Moses, which the laws of Moses has nothing to do with anything because it's the laws of God to which we're supposed to keep. This is where the problem comes in at. And it tells you, so So it says, Christ has made us free and not, and not, and, uh, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Now, what we're going to pull on the precepts. Let's go to the precepts on this. Let's go over to Ezekiel. We're going to go to Ezekiel 46. Ezekiel 46, and we're going to pick it up at 16. Ezekiel 46, and we're going to pick it up at 16. <clears throat> it says, Thus saith the Lord God, If the prince, and we got to understand what the prince is, because we know, even in Isaiah, it tells you, it gives you the prophecy and what he's going to be. He's going to be the prince of peace. His father is the king of heaven and earth. He is the prince of peace who will be the God on earth. And what and this is all what the Bible will tell you. And it, it says, now the prince will give a gift. What is this gift? That gift will let you know, which we will get into, that gift is the Holy Spirit. That's what he tells you also in John 1 and 12. He gives them power to become sons of God. That power is the Holy Spirit, which he tells you over in John 14, and you get down to 17. This is what he's talking about. Now we're going to keep moving down. It says, and a gift unto his sons, to a gift of any of his sons, the inheritance thereof shall be his sons. It shall be their possession by inheritance, which it also tells you over in Romans. We get into that, but we're going to go through it in verse 17. But if he give a gift of his inheritance to one of his servants, and that's what we are. We are one of his servants. Then it shall be his to the year of liberty. The same one they want to use the key verse in 13. And that's what this is talking about. When, when we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hone in on that a little bit more in a little while. It says, after it shall return to the prince, but the inheritance shall be his sons for them. So what it's telling you, 
the Holy Spirit has to return to the prince. So the spirit that he give, he wants it back. He's going to return it back. But the gift of eternal life is our inheritance. This is all it's saying. But we have to understand where pe people want to sit there and believe this here, and most people believe that this is all you have to do is believe on Christ and do nothing else. And, and we're on our fastest way to going to, to, to the lake of fire. We're going to look at another piece to join this in to even get more clarification. And to do that, we got to go over to Psalms 119. We're going to go to Psalms 119. And we're going to pick it up at 43. Psalms 119 and 43. Actually, let's go back to 42. And we're going to start at 42 and we're going to go down. <clears throat> it says, so shall I have wherewith to answer him that reapproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. The word is the word of truth. Truth is the commandments of God. This is what it's going to tell you. And it says, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. So that word, so he's saying don't take them commandments out of his mouth. He's, this is what he is saying here. He says, for I have hoped in thy judgments, 40, 44, so shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. This is what he is talking about all the time. It never changes. Verse 45, and I will walk at liberty for I seek thy precepts. And this is what you have to always be doing, seeking what God's precepts are. And if we're going to walk in liberty, we have to understand when you're walking in liberty, you're free from bondage, but you're walking in the spirit. This is what he is. This is what he is bringing up. And we're going to we're going to find out more on who giving you all this. We're going to see who this person is. Let's go over to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, and we're going to pick it up at 1 and get a little bit more information on who it is and who gives this gift of liberty. And we're going to look at the prophecy first, but we're going to look at it repeated later. And we're going to look at Isaiah 61 and 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord have anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and to open the prisons to them that are bound. But we need to see who this person, who is this person prophesied of. This is a prophecy that's going to come up. So to find that, let's go over to Luke. We're going to pick this up at Luke and see. Is Jesus matching this qualifications that, that, that was being spoken of? We're going to look at Luke 4 and 18. And actually, we're going to go to Luke 4 and 17 and get the, and get the part of it, and then we're going to go right into 18. It says, And there was, there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Elias, which is talking about Isaiah. You have many different writers to where they're, they're, they're spelled the names differently. So the same in here. Luke calls him Elias, 
which you'll see other one called him Isaiah. So that's all the same, but this Elias is Isaiah. And it says, and he found, and, and, and when he had, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And the reason say he had found the place, we have to remember back in that time, they didn't have numbers and chapter markers. It, it was just written. So he found that place, and then and what happened? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and recovering of the sight of the blind, to set liberty on them that are bruised. And you'll see later, he closed up the book and he'll tell you that those scriptures was, was fulfilled. But why is this talking about to them that are bruised? To show you how you can pull this, what we got to remember is those that are bruised, he's giving you another prophecy. And that prophecy, if you go back to Genesis 3.15, we're going to see this right there. Because we're going to see why he once he tells you a certain thing to do, this is why this says this, because Jesus gives you another prophecy that he fulfilled. And Genesis 3.15 gives you that. It says, I will put enmity between the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Why he said that? It shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. So, what he's telling you, it's going to bruise your heel. Why? Because you walk in in the way of sin. So if you're walking in that way, it's going to bruise that hill when you turn and you go right. When you, so when you want to go in righteousness, it's going to bruise that hill because what? You're turning away from sin. That's why it says this here. But most people want to sit there and use all these other different ways to say things besides holding on to his precepts to get the understanding why Jesus even added that small little caveat there to let you know the same is yesterday, the same is in today. So when he said to, to take care of those that are bruised, because why? He tells you in the beginning that it, that it shall bruise thy heel. So that's why he came to take care of that. Now to get even more information on this, let's go over to Galatians 4. Galatians 4, and we're going to pick it up at 3. Galatians 4 and pick it up at 3, because this is still part of what we're trying to find out. Galatians 4 and 3, it says, Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, which is making it clear this is what it's talking about, why the liberty. Because why? We was walking in sin. We was tied with the lust of the world, with the elements of the world. This is what we was tied into. It says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. For all men have sinned. He had no sin, but he had sinful flesh. He came in sinful flesh just as all of us. But he never sinned. This is what this is speaking about. But we have to understand 
why do people do this? And it, and it goes on. He said to redeem them that was under the law that they might receive adoptions as sons. How is they going to receive adoptions as sons? It's only a certain way they can receive it. Keep your finger there. Go over to John 1 and 12. Because this is full of, I'm talking about full of precept, just in this verse. So John 1 and 12, it'll tell you right there. But as many received, as, as received him, to, to them he gave, he, uh, to them gave he power to become what? Sons of God. Even to them believed on his name. This is what he did for them. So many people will sit there and they want to run you all these puppy dog trails and they like to say different things about what, what, you know, what was going on and this is all you have to do. And this is all the Bible's talking about. So we'll finish off at 6 and it says, and because we uh, ye are sons, God have sent forth the spirit of his son. So now the spirit of his son, it tells you over the same thing. And um, in John 14, and you read down. Because Jesus tells you, and actually just go there to where we'll make sure, because he's going to give you the spirit of his son, what most people think is, is we're talking about separate entities, and it's not. And we need to understand exactly what that who that spirit is. Because people will tell you the spirit of the Holy Ghost and this and that. But let's see what Jesus says, and we're going to hold on to what Jesus says rather than what any man tells us. So it tells you right there. So now it tells you right here that, that uh, because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his sons into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So he's saying that the spirit of his son is in you. But let's, but let's verify this to make sure this is what it's talking about. We're going to go over to John 14. We're going to look at 15 first. John 14 and 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. So this comforter, he wants to abide with you, so it has to be in you. This is what this is saying. Now watch, now watch how this goes. Even the spirit of truth. I can show you right back in, in, um, in, in Isaiah which this is one of the spirits that he has. And it says, Whom the world cannot receive, because they seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. This is the spirit that this is talking about, why you will be crying to the Father, Abba, Father. Same thing, but watch, but watch here. In verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. So this is the spirit that he's going to send to you. It's Christ's spirit once he leaves here. That's why he say he can't come here until he leaves here. And then the Father has to send the spirit back. And that's going to be the spirit of Christ. That's why, that's why I said that way. So we have to understand what's going on all the time and not, and not look over on what it's saying to do. We do, we hone in on what we're supposed to do. You'll see all your precepts, if you write everything down, you'll make sure you can go back and search this and you'll see that all the precepts will align perfectly with Scripture. Don't have nothing to do with what he's saying. Most of them just commenting, but, but everything that he said here, 
I gave you the precepts on what they were saying to where you can get the understanding exactly what is going on. Now we're going to look, now we're going to go down some more. Uh, we're going to look at Galatians 5 and we're going to go down to 2 and we're going to read down. It says, Behold, I, Paul, said unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit nothing. Profit you nothing. But why did he say that? Because circumcised doesn't do anything. And what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to find out more in that. He says, for I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debitor to do the whole law. Because why is saying that? Because if you're being circumcised, believing that you're holding on to the law, you're going to be a debtor to the law because you're making a token for that, and that's not what the circumcision was for. It was for a sign. How can we find that out? Let's go over here, and we're going to look at Genesis. And we're going to, we're going to figure this out. We're going to go to Genesis 17, and we're going to pick it up at 11. And actually, we're going to go, we're going to pick it up at 10, and then we're going to go down. Actually, let's go, let's start at 9. It says, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant. So he's making a covenant with Abraham. Would ye shall keep between me and in you and thy seed after thee, every man among you shall be circumcised. Now, to show you, as I, when I get ready to go down some more, the reason why he said that, this is the same reason when you get into the Apocrypha, the same reason you go into John and some of the other books, when they said they were going to get rid of all the Hebrew young men, how was they going to find them? All they have to do is take down their clothing, and if they were circum they was a circumcised baby, they knew they was holding on to the commandments of God. They knew that they was one of his, and they would destroy that child. This is how they were doing that. Because why? It's the same as God put the um, the um, the rainbow in the sky. Why? For a sign. It was a covenant he made between us and every beast of the field and him that he will not destroy this earth anymore by water. The same is with the men being circumcised. Men being circumcised was a covenant as a sign between us and him to show that we had made a pact with him to where we will be his. And we're going to finish that out to get that complete understanding. In verse 11, And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it should be a token. That token is a sign. That's all he's saying. It should be a, a token of the covenant between me and you. That's all it was. So when people getting circumcised, they believe circumcised is being you under the law. But that's why Paul said, if you've been circumcised, you profit nothing. Because that was a sign between him and that's just showing that you're Abraham's seed. That's literally, that's all it's showing. But you have many people even now being circumcised and thinking that they're they doing this under God. But it was it was something that was packed between him 
in Abraham and his seeds to show that you are of Abraham, that was mainly it. That was between him and it was a covenant that was made with him to where they can see that. That's all this was. So that's why Paul was saying in, in verse 3, Behold, I, Paul, say that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. That's why. Because it was a token. It was a sign with Abraham. And he said, For I testify again, every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor, debtor to the whole law. So if you've been circumcised for that reason, you are a debtor to that whole law. But where people miss out at, because your heart has to be circumcised, not your physical flesh. That's, that's what Paul is talking about. That's where he's honing in on. Now we're going to go down and um, the same thing in uh, 4 it says, In Christ is become of no effect unto whomsoever of you is justified by the law, ye fallen from grace. Because when men, what they do, they get circumcised, and you have people who want to do the law by the letter. But how are you going to fall from grace? Because you're not loving God. You're not doing it because you love God. You're doing it because it says, do this, I'm going to do that. Do that, I'm going to do this. And that's all they're doing. But you're not loving your neighbor as you love thyself. You're not loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what this is stating. And we're going to look at some of this. We're going to go over here to um, Ezekiel. Because what people were doing, as they were saying, they were trusting in their own righteousness. But we're going to go to Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33. And we're going to look at part of that. Ezekiel 33. And we're going to start at 12. Ezekiel 33, we're going to start, start at 12. It says, Therefore, thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the days of his transgression. Understand what that is saying. The righteousness of the righteous, he's talking against you, shall not deliver him in his transgression. So even in his sin, and this is what they were doing. It says, as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day he turneth from his wickedness, neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in that day he that he sinneth. This is what is stated. But watch this. In verse 13, when I shall say to the righteous, that he shall surely live if he trust in his own righteousness and commit iniquity, which is committing sin, all his righteousness shall not be remembered, but for his iniquity that he shall have committed, he shall die for it. This is always because what we're doing, we're sitting there saying, if we do this, we have our righteousness. If I do that, that's my righteousness. And that's not what it's saying. But that's what we do. We want to sit there and we want to change what the Bible tells us. And we want to sit there and, and we and we repurpose it to fit our lifestyle and our thought patterns and what we want to do. And we can't be doing that. When we do that, we literally putting ourselves 
on 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 the on a first class ticket right directly to hell. And we can't be doing that. We're going to also look at a couple of more of our own righteousness. We're going to look at Deuteronomy six. Deuteronomy six. And we're going to pick that up at four. Deuteronomy six and pick it up at four. It says, "Hear, O Israel." The Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That's how we did love him. And see, and it's not to where you just saying you're doing what he said do. He's saying to love him when he tells you something to do, you're just going to do it. Same as when you love somebody, you love them, they tell you to do something, you're going to do it. This is, this is what he's talking about. And then he says, And these are the words which I command thee, this day shall be in thee, in thy heart. Now, he's pretty clear here. And it even tells you, And you should teach them diligently unto thy children, and thy shall, thou shalt talk to them when thou sittest, when thou in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou layest down, and when thou risest up. This is what he's telling you to do. And this is what we don't do. Let's pick this up at 20. Same verse, pick it up at 20. And when thy son askest thee in, in time to come, saying, what means the testimonies and the statutes and the judgment which the Lord our God hath commanded you, Thou shalt say unto thy son, <clears throat> where when we were Pharaoh's bondsmen, we basically we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. So it's the same thing. We was we was a bond, we were slaves to sin. They're saying the same thing. And the Lord have came and, and delivered us from the sin identical thing. So they were delivered from the house of bondage. We were delivered from the house of bondage. Because if you're living under sin, you, you're in the house of bondage. You're bondage under sin. You're bondage under lust. You're bondage under, under all fornication. You're bondage under many different things. And he delivered you from that. So when, you, so when somebody asks you or your child asks you about the same thing, this is what you should tell them. The same thing. You was in this sin, and he delivered you from that sin. So we have to understand why it says it in that in that way. But let's keep moving down. And it says, in, um, in, uh, with a mighty hand, And the Lord showed signs, wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household, before our eyes and he brought us out from thence that that might might bring us in to give us the land which was swore unto our fathers and the Lord commanded us to to do to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for for um, for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is, as as it is that at this day, and it shall be our righteousness. Now it's being clear. 
How? We're supposed to do what the Lord told us to do. But he's telling you all the time, you have to love him. So people just do it, and you're going to come to that righteousness, but you're not loving God, because you're not doing all what he told you to do. But this is what it's telling right here. It shall be unrighteousness if we observe and do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he have commanded us. This is how we are supposed to live completely. And this is what we have to make sure of all the time. So if we obey these and we do these, this is what the, this is what we what we will benefit from. Let's go over to um, uh, uh, Romans 4. And we're going to pick it up at 12. Romans 4, and we're going to pick that up at 12. And we're going to look at another part on we have to believe with that, and he had a promise to us of certain things. So 4 and 12, and it tells you, in the father of circumcision, which he goes right back to it, to them that are not of the circumcision only, but who, but who also walk in the steps of the faith of our father, Abraham. Because that's all Abraham did. Abraham, God told Abraham what to do, and Abraham did it. Because he loved God. So we have to understand when we love God, we're going to do what God told us to do. As our father Abraham, which he had been yet uncircumcised. And then at that time, Abraham wasn't even circumcised. This happened way later. And they go for the promise that he uh, uh, that he that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed, though the law, but but though the righteousness of faith. How's that right? He believed God, and he did what God told him to do, and he had the faith in that. Whatever God told him to do, he believed God was going to do it. And it says, For if they they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. In the promise made none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, which which it does, and for which uh for for where no law is, there is no transgression. And what this is saying here, where everybody removes the law. They say they, the law is done away with. It's, it's done. As soon as they say that, there's no transgression there. So if you're sitting in the church and they say, we're no longer under law, we're under grace, there's no law there. So that means you do whatever you do and there's no law. The reason why there's no law, because you're already condemned to hell. Because you're removing the law. The law is what? It gives you to show you what you're doing wrong. And it keeps you from from breaking that law. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. But as soon as you come to, to the knowledge of the law, it condemns you. That's all that's all they're saying. Verse 16. Therefore, it it is for faith that it might be by grace. What is that grace? So as soon as you do it wrong and you come to the knowledge of it, he's going to give you time to get that correct. That's all this is saying. And at the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed, 
not uh, not to only which of the of the law, but to that also which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God was quickeneth the dead and calleth those those things which which be not uh, as though they were who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so thy so thy so thy seed shall uh, so thy so thy seed be in being not weak in faith he considered not his own body now dead when he was about in hundred a hundred years old neither yet the the uh, the deadness of Sarah's womb because this is because he was old when he had it when he had a child as with Sarah but we can see this is this is the faith that he had and then it says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith this is what we all need we need to have that faith in God we have to believe what he said do besides when something's going on God not he's not moving fast enough for you so besides we standing fast on what we're supposed to believe in we go on and we what we try to do we try to put our own works into it many of us do that I, I fall to it all the time so it's not it's, it'll never be where I will sit there and throw a rock at anybody and sit there and say I'm not doing that sometimes sometimes I will fall to that same identical thing it's not moving fast enough for me and I'll call myself going to help same in here with Abraham and Sarah. God promised them a seed. Was taking too long. What happened with Sarah? Sarah went and got Hagar and brought Hagar there. Went into her, and later on, he had to boot him out because God got on him about it because he wasn't of the promise. He that was that fleshly uh, works right there. So when we when we're gonna do something. And, and, and we and we, we pray to God and God is going to deliver this promise to us we have to believe on that promise we have to just stay still we have to stand fast but while you're standing fast you have to have that liberty that you're walking in the commandments to God you're walking in those you stand fast on what you believe and let him deliver you and let's go down and it says uh, 21 <clears throat> and being fully persuaded what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it is imputed to him for righteousness. You see, all this just blends. When you believe in something, and you believe in God, and you love in him the way he's telling you to do, what he tells you to do, you do, and this is going to be imputed to you for righteousness. And then it, it goes on where it says, Now, not as it was written of him, of, of, of his sake alone, that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. One, you have to believe that. If you don't believe that, you're wasting your time. But it goes on more. Who have delivered who has delivered for our offenses and was raised again after our justification. So we have to believe that he is raising from the dead, but we but we have to be walking in the commandments of God. It's always coupled together. 
because Jesus will tell you, you want to follow, you know, you follow me. If we're going to follow him, we have to do what he told us to do. But on top of that, we have to make sure we're doing everything correctly. So we're going to see in this, uh, the same thing with the promise to Abraham. We're going to go to Genesis 12. We're going to pick it up at 1. 12 and 1. It said he promised Abraham, which, which he said he was going to do over there. It says, Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of the country from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land which I will show thee. Now Abraham had to trust God. And he said, get up out of that land. So he took his wife and everybody with him and all his household, and he left. On faith, believing in God. This is the faith you have to have. Some people's faith is going to be stronger than others. But that faith, the more you work on that faith in God and believe in what he's saying, he will continually do. Don't sit there and go through the book or you go through the Bible and you sit there and you read something and say, well, yeah, I see what he's saying here and he's telling me to do you know, this here, this commandment here, but I'm going to change this because I don't quite see it that way. Or, you know, the man wrote it, so I don't really see it that way. You, you add into his word or you're going to take away from his word. And he has no reason because one thing we got to remember always, God can't break his own law. So if God can't break his own law, he's not going to alter it for you. So if he's not going to alter it for you and you altering God's law, you going to cause your own problem. You're going to cause your own destruction. This is what you're going to be doing. So let's go down. It says <clears throat> and, uh, that, he, that he will show thee, I will make thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make, and make thine, thy name great and thou shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And, the, and, and, and in thee shall be families of the earth blessed. This is what he promised Abraham. This is what was promised to Abraham. Now, how are we going to get counted? Let's go over here to Genesis, Genesis 15 and 6. Because it was counted to him for righteousness, and we're going to see why. Genesis uh, 15 and 6. And they tell you, and he believed. Again, he did all the commandments. He believed in the Lord. He counted it uh, to him for righteousness. This was counted to, to him for righteousness. But why? Let's go to Genesis 26. We're going to pick it up before at five. And we're going to see why it was counted to him for righteousness. In Genesis 26 and 5. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statute, and my laws. That's why it was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham had to learn these. As God told him to. But once he learned them and he did something wrong, Abraham will get it right. And this is why it was righteousness. So just believing on Christ and believing in God 
and then you have your own way the way you want to do your laws. You, you have your own righteousness. So then same thing, you, well, I know I'm circumcised, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Yeah, you want to that's your own righteousness. That's why you will be a debitor to the entire law. That's why Paul tells you this. Let's move down. <clears throat> and um, let's move down to five. For we, through the Spirit, wait uh, for the hope of righteousness by faith. For Jesus, for in Jesus, neither circumcision avail anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And that's why I work it by love. Love, let's go to love. Because it worketh by love. <clears throat> that's John 14 and 15. And we're going to see how this going to work by love. So it says, for in Jesus, neither circumcision avail anything nor uncircumcision, but faith worketh by love. John 14 and 15. And let's see what Jesus says. If ye love me, keep my commandments. That faith worketh by love. So, freedom in Christ, you walking with Jesus with faith by love by walking in his commandments. This is how you get that, and this is how that go. And then you get that, what Jesus gives to you. That's John, as we went earlier, John 1, and we're going to look at John 1 and 12. But as many received him, and basically who loved him, to give uh, to, to them gave he power to become who? The sons of God. This is what he's doing. So why is, why is this set to that way? Because we're going to go right back to John 14. And we're going to pick it up at 16. John 14 and pick it up 16. He say again, this is almost a repeat. I will pray that the Father, he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Because this one he need you need with you always, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world shall not cannot receive. And then he even lets you know in verse eighteen, I will not leave you comforted; I will come to you. This is what Jesus is telling you what he's going to do, because you can't he can't leave you alone. Because if he leave you alone, what you going to do? But we're going to seal this and make sure that he's coming here. Let's go over to Acts five. And 32. Acts 5 and 32, because it always go back to doing something. 5 and 32. It says, As we are uh, are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Ties you right back to John 1 and 12. There's no way you can get around this, but people will sit there, and this is the only way you're going to get that Holy Spirit. 
So now through here we're gonna say so so we're gonna pick it up at seven in uh in uh Galatians it says did ye run well who do uh who do hinder you that ye should not obey the truth. What is the truth? We're gonna look at what the truth is, so because he's telling you why you shouldn't obey the truth. That's 119 and 142. And they tell you thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. 119, 142. So we know why he's saying this, why he's saying and you should not obey the truth. All they did is take took the commandments of God and narrowed it down into the truth. And this is why you see Jesus says that all the time. This is all he's actually saying. And it goes down into more <clears throat> in verse 8. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And what all the saying is, all they need is a little sin in you. And it's going to destroy the whole body. That's why... You see what Christ said, and they said, if you got to cut that, that arm off, you cut that arm off, don't let it keep you from coming into the kingdom of God. If that eye, the way you lusting after people doing that, get rid of your eyes. You don't let that keep you out of the kingdom of God. This is why he says that. So he said, so that little leaven will leaven a whole lump. So it says, I have confidence in you through the Lord, that you will know no why, no otherwise mine, but he that that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whomsoever he be. And I, brethren, if I preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Because we ain't preached it. That's the whole point. Why do um then said then it is uh, then is the offense of cross cease. I would that ye were even cut off, uh, even cut off, which trouble you. Same that same what I was talking about where you cut off your arm and all that. I would that were even cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use uh, us uh, use not liberty. For the occasion to flesh, but by love serve one another. So it's telling you right there, because what is that liberty? That liberty gives you the power of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit gives you the power to not sin. That sin is what you're going to separate yourself from. And that goes right back to John John 1.12. We're going to also look at um, Exodus. We're going to look at Exodus 31. And we're going to look there, Exodus 31, and we're going to pick it up at 18. Exodus 31 and 18. And it says, And he gave Moses, when he had made the end of all, uh, uh, end of all communion with him on Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai, what we did in last week's lesson, Sinai means nothing but of sin. So where it says he was on Mount Sinai, the mountain of sin. That's what Mount Sinai is. And it says two tablets in the testimonies, in uh, two uh, two tablets of testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Why it was written with the finger of God? Because you'll see also 
where you'll see in other spots where this was done. Because the same as when Mary Magdalene, what what she was did, she was committed a sin. And when she committed sin, and what they wanted to do, they wanted to stone her. And Jesus reached, he, he stooped down, and he started to write, and it tells you particularly, with his finger. We can look at that. We can go over to, to Matthew 7 and 21, and we can look at part of that, and we'll see how that ties all in to what it's been saying. Uh, actually, it's not 721. Uh, it's actually, uh, let's look at John 832. Please, John 832. Yeah, eight. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, well, let me let me get ready to pour that one. So we'll we'll come back. Uh, let me see right here. John eight. Here we go. Yeah. So it's John eight three. I'm sorry. So let's go to John eight and three. So it says, and the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto to him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. But it was just her, not the man. Now, now Moses, in the law, commandeth us that such shall be stoned. But what sayest thou? Because they was tempting. They were trying to set him up. And he even gets into it. It says, and they said, tempting him that he might have an excuse, uh, uh, accuse him, but Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground the same commandment that was written that Moses got. Same thing. So people like to sit there where he wrote the name, he wrote the names of this, he wrote the name. He got down there and he wrote the law with his finger. Then he rose up and said, the first one without sin cast the first stone. But people like to sit there and say, he wrote this, he wrote that, and, and preachers like to make it real elaborate and saying what, what could have been there, make it sound good, but they're telling you a bold-faced lie. We always have to make sure we precept the Bible completely and make sure that we're telling the truth of God always. Let's not try to put nothing extra on God. Let's not take nothing away from God. That's what we have to make sure always. So this is what he did. He wrote with his finger, and then as he continued to stoop down, and that's why he said in verse 7, when he continued asking, he lifted himself up, he lift, lift up himself and said unto them, he that with is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. He didn't stoop down and write down, oh, this is Jim, this is John. He didn't do that. He sat there and he stooped down and he wrote the law with his finger. Same thing. But we're going to get down and sin. That's why and we, we're walking in liberty and it always tells you something to do. So the same thing, we're going to pick it up and it says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That you will be fulfilling because what you're going to do, if you're loving God, you're loving your neighbor, you love thyself, you're going to fulfill the law. Where there is no law, there's no transgression. Then there ain't no sin. 
I mean, giving you this, this oxymoron, but but let's let's keep moving. It says, and take and uh and take heed, be not consumed one of one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and thy shall fulfill the lust shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because if you're walking in the spirit, you're walking with the with the spirit of God in you, and you're not going to fulfill this lust of the flesh because it's not going to be in you. Where where God resides, sin cannot be. Verse 17, and it says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. They're against them. Basically, all I'm saying, they're against the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things which ye would. And, and what we're going to do, we're going to finish this out because I keep telling you, you have to do something. And this is why, why you do it. Let's go to James. And we're going to go to James 1. We're going to pick this up at 21. James 1 and 21. And it says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and super and, and, uh, and super uh, fertility and naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul but be ye doers of the word it's telling you clear you have to be a doer of the word and not hearers only and that's what most of us like to do we hear it, oh yeah, well, won't tell you what? Yeah, he said, all we got to do is just love one minute. Yeah, I'm going to do it. But you have no works behind it. I love God, but there's no works behind it. You have people falling out all over church. People got their hands waving up. They're crying, doing all this stuff. And as soon as they walk out of church, they're sin, they're sin in a heartbeat. That's what they're doing. And they'll sit there and tell you how much they love God, and they're not loving God. They're sitting there, you doing it, as, as Jesus said, a lot of them are going to do it with lip service. So it, it's telling you here, for if any be hearers of the word and not doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. That's why this is saying that, and, and this goes down to 24, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgiveth what manner of man he was. But whosoever look into the perfect law of liberty. Well, you walking right directly in the spirit. You're walking in the commandments of God. And continue therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. Of the work this man shall be blessed in his deeds. This is what this is talking about when you have the freedom of Christ. Not what they saying here, and it's telling you, even when you get to Paul um, over here on this uh, expository eliminator, where Paul issued a very strong warnings and thinking of adopting the Mosaic law as a means of becoming or remaining righteous before God. Clearly, it was directed to the Gentile converts who were being pressured by false teachers to submit to circumcision and all the demands of the law. To seek righteousness by submitting to circumcision was, was to declare 
that one was not fully trusting in Christ alone. This is told you exactly again. This is why they pumped this law. For the works of the law added to grace and verily contempt of grace, Christ's unmerited favor is compromised. So this is what it's saying. I'm telling you, they, they're giving you this oxymoron to literally pull you away from the laws of God. Jesus telling you himself, if you love me, keep my commandments. This this guy here is telling you to, to, no, to do away with them. Jesus calls them a false teacher. He's telling you if you hold on to the commandments of God, they are false teachers. So he's literally telling you Jesus is a liar. Because Jesus didn't tell you about these are false teachers. He's saying the ones who are telling you to do this is a false teacher. This is what you have to go into. And now we can go into another part down here. It says, furthermore, if one is required to observe the law of circumcision, he is obligated to keep the whole law of Moses, which you referenced in um, James 2 and 10. And the law is unit. One cannot pick and choose what part of it to obey and part to ignore. It places oneself under the law and requires to keep all thus be commanded, and no one can keep the law. Galatians 3 and 10. And we're going to look at Galatians 3 and 10. We're going to see what it's saying because they they sitting there, they're referencing things, but it says, For as many as the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which is written in the book of the law to do them. Now, you see how they're isolating this and how they how they going to do it. See, because it says Paul concluded the warning by repeating Christ's work is no value of them who are seeking to be justified by the law. And you're not to be seeking to be justified by the law. You're looking to do the commandments that Jesus told you to do. And as long as you follow him and you walk in the spirit, the only way you, if you're in the spirit of God, there's no laws for you because if you're here, you're going to do it. And, if, and then if you even fall from that, you're going to repent and you're going to keep moving forward. That's all he's saying. So as you keep moving forward, you it's no law for you because you are a doer. As James told you, you are a doer. So if you are a doer, you're not going to be falling to this. But what they want to do, they want to continue to sin and say that everything removed. So what everything Christ did, we just believe in what he did. And I can continue to do whatever I'm doing. And I can apologize here and there. But I can continue to do this. And I can continue to sin. And I and no matter what, I can go, I can go and I'm going to be justified when I stand before God. And they're going directly to hell. So we're going to look at this last verse here. Because this is what this is literally what they're talking about. And Jesus makes it clear in John. And actually, uh, no, we're going to look at Matthew 5. We're going to pick it up at uh, 17. Matthew 5, 17, this is, this is the last verse. It says, Think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. So the law is the first five books of Moses. The prophets is all the Old Testament and when you look into the apostles. None of this is destroyed. None of it. He said, I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. So if he came not to destroy and to fulfill, we're going to go to Acts 3 and 18. And we're going to look at what he fulfilled. And then we're going to jump right back. So keep your finger up there. Because he said, I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. 
When you look at Acts 3 and 18, it says, But those things were God before and showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer. He has so fulfilled. That's what he fulfilled. That's why he came to fill this to, to fulfill this prophecy. Picking it up at 18. For verily I say unto you, and this is Jesus speaking, to heaven and earth pass one jot, the smallest part, one tittle should no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So Jesus is telling you this, but if you letting a man telling you the law is done away with, and you're going to believe that man over Christ, personally, is the heart, you should go to hell. Because if this is what you believe, you believe in a man over what Christ is saying. It makes no sense. Because Christ is telling you this completely. So if he's telling you this, and you believe this man saying this, and this is what you're going to hold to, that you're just under grace, and you fall from grace, and, and all you have to do is just believe in grace alone, and Christ came with grace and truth, that all they're saying is grace and the commandments, people going to come with their own understanding, yeah, they should be in hell. Because it makes no sense, because you're going against everything everything Christ said. But now we're going to say, Verily unto you, to heaven and earth shall pass, shall no wise pass from the law to all be fulfilled. So it says, Whosoever therefore should break one of the least commandments, and shall teach men so. That's what they're doing on the expository and eliminator. They are teaching men so to do what? To break these commandments. Christ alone. Don't do anything. He's telling you to do something. So it's telling you <clears throat> to break one of these commandments and teach men so. He should be called the least in the kingdom. He should be the one going to the lake of fire. But whosoever shall do them and teach them should be called great in the kingdom. That's what this is talking about. That's why this is positive eliminator. People go into this commentary and want to believe on what this what this person is saying is so dangerous. So we have to watch what we do. We have to watch what we study and what should we and why should we listen to. As you know, and if you're new over here, I'm I'm a big um person, especially about going into commentary. But this expositor eliminator, it has commentary that's embedded in it. And he's telling you stuff. And he, I even see he got this uh, Bible abridged uh, commentary, and it's from Zondervan. Zondervan is the same publisher and printer of the Satanic Bible. But they, this is what they want you to trust. And, this is, and they want you to trust what this man is saying. This will get you put in a lake of fire. We have to watch who we we have to watch who we listen to. We have to watch what's going on. Everything that, that that I give, I always try to make sure you have nothing but precepts to base on to go back and do your research and make sure that these are correct in what God is telling you. So I wish that you were greatly edified and we will start going through a lot of these because they wanna they wanna teach contrary to what God is saying. We're gonna we're gonna teach what God is actually saying. So I wish you were richly edified, and we will see you on the next one on this Bible expository false teaching on the next lesson. So with that, I bid each and every one of you all.